This is Cult Scenes K-Pop and Muted, a podcast dedicated to in-depth discussion of K-Pop. We are your hosts, Joe Palmer. And Stephen Knight. And today, we have finally arrived all the way back around to that time of year, best time of year, which is the end of year awards, best of alternative awards show, which is in its third year now at K-Pop Unmuted. Luckily, for the third time, record third time joining us is Gabrielle Wilder, and alongside her, is um, first-timer Stephanie Parker. Gabrielle is a music writer based in Sydney. She's also the occasional contributor to the Kesara blog, if I can say that. Welcome to the show, Gabrielle. Hi, thanks for having me. Great to have you. And Stephanie, one of the hosts of the K-pop cast, she is a uh, works for YouTube out in the Bay Area, and we're very happy to finally have Stephanie on the show. Ooh, super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Each of us are going to take some time to talk about what we think has been the biggest maybe news story of the year or maybe just the most interesting or personally impactful story of the year. I guess, Stephen, you can have the honor of starting us off if you'd like. Sure. So one thing that's on my mind, and please feel free to consider this a cry for help, um, (laughs) is survival shows, especially the (laughs) Mnet produce series. It's, I think at the end of 2018, this is a good time to sort of look at where we are on those shows. They have such a big influence on the industry. Mm. I think they've really changed the industry, actually. They have. And, and that's sort of my question is, is it the change that everybody thinks? Because iZone or, or one-to-one has just had a successful debut. You know, one-to-one is disbanding soon, although they're going to keep performing after they disband which is a very K-pop kind of thing, but they obviously mm. had a great run. And I think we're far enough from IOI that we can see, you know, sort of do a where are they now mm. on that. And the thing is, the the produced shows sort of a run on this promise that Mnet kind of has this golden ticket that they're they're giving out and all these mid-level and smaller agencies donate all this talent, you know, mm. that Mnet doesn't really have to pay much for to to make these shows work. And the idea is, if you actually make the group, you're going to have a great career. You're going to be able to go back to your agency. And if you're in a group, you know, bring your group along. It'll be a big boost. But I think, you know, if you look back at IOI, the Produce 101 groups are very successful. But to me, the only idol I think that really has had their career made by the Produce series is Chunga. Yeah, for sure. She had washed out of JYP when she at the time, which does not end anybody's career, as we know, but uh, she was at a smaller agency and and she really has a great solo career right now. Mm. But an interesting thing is that the probably the second most successful participant in that show is Soyeon from Idol or, you know, G-Idol, oh, I'll call him. Yeah. Yeah. And Peter she didn't State. even make, she didn't make IOI. Mm, and I, I don't think that her success can really be attributed to the show because you know, she I had agree, those actually. it was yeah. just one step right? for her yeah and even then she had she had those solos which i mean they did fine but they're not at the same level of success as g idols you know so i don't think you can really say that her fame has i mean her talent has been very important but her i don't think her fame has been that big a factor in there so what success. would you say has been the the impact on the industry 
of these these shows? Is it just like there's a, a flood or a saturation of new new young talent or where are you going? I think that? it's actually um, kind of word I'm thinking of is structural. I don't know, I don't know if that's actually the right word that I'm looking for, but I think it's actually because if you look at the amount of rookie bands that debut now, it's just gone right down, and I think that's because there's a new way now that um, bands are coming through and it's through these shows. I mean, I know the that these shows kind of use rookie bands, for want of a better word, but so I it's, think it's that instead... up some of the space or the energy from... That's right. Got yeah, it. that's mm-hmm. right. So instead of, instead of, I mean, it's, I think that some of the bands that are going on there, they may have have kind of disappeared and and then new band, you know, agencies might have taken in new bands, but instead of that happening these bands are then are being funneled into these shows and they're kind of getting a bit of new life. So, so there's less turnover at, on the, on the lower ranks. I think, I think that's what's happening. I, I'm, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but there, there used to be just a ton of, ton of rookies. I mean, I, I remember mm-hmm. speaking to a representative from uh, the Korean cultural center here in Sydney and he said, and, and I, I don't think he would want to be quoted as this being absolutely factual figure but he said that he was told that 30 groups used to debut each month Mm. you know which is a phenomenal statistic and if you if you look at that wiki page you know that you know chronicles all the you know I think reddit's doing it now k-pop reddit you know the groups that are debuting this year I I think you'd be hard-pressed to find 30 groups this year you know like it's really dropped significantly since I started following K-pop kind of six years ago. That's a great point. And that's, I think, a, a really smart play by someone like like Mnet and also connected to like Loan Entertainment, One the K. You might have heard those names around. And, and what they yeah. do is an aggregation play. They go approach all of the smaller acts and just license, like from a copyright perspective, I see this from the YouTube side. They will just go and approach all of the smaller players and anything that hasn't been licensed yet, they'll buy it up really quick. And just Do they also buy lapsed licenses? Is that why you sometimes see mm-hmm. old content as being yeah. new yeah. on one of their channels? That's right. Right. I wondered how that happened. And they'll, I, I mean, I'm not really in on those conversations, but I imagine they say, hey, I know you're, you're, not, making, you're not making much on your own <laughs> with this mm. old content, but, you know, we yeah. have, we have this churn of, you know, new spicy stuff going on over here and we can promise you a bit more revenue and a bit more eyeballs mm. on your stuff. So mm. come on down. And I think that's probably the message of, of these, these shows produce as well. Yeah. Yeah. You've got a, you've got a, a you know, rookie idol group. You, you know, they only put out one, one song last year or two songs and it got, you know, <laughs> it got like 10,000 views on YouTube. <laughs> come and put your bands through this absolutely grueling public you know humiliation maybe you'll <laughs> maybe you'll wind up in the top 10 and and you'll get some cfs out of it and a, you know and a and a hit single you know so yeah yeah that's right or, or call it a career you know if you like <laughs> you know it's like a lottery mm. so we are going to jump to our, our our newest guest then stephanie did you have any particular drama or news story of the year that stood out to you well you know, I think 2018 was definitively the year that BTS just dominated the world. Their album, Love Yourself Answer, is just an epic in every way. And I think BTS has now hit the mainstream in the U.S. 
in a way that I, I see them on teen girl magazine covers in the US. I see them um, on mainstream TV shows, on Jimmy Kimmel, on Ellen, on awards shows. They got a Grammy nomination, you guys. Like, this, what else do they possibly need? Um, it, it almost makes me, as a, as a huge fan of them, I'm almost scared for, for next year. I'm scared that something bad is gonna happen. I, I actually recently watched uh, BTS accept an award at MAMA, I think. They, I don't know if they got the, the best album or best artist, probably both, you know. Um, but, but Jin was saying that over the past year, it, it's been so stressful for them that they even consider disbanding. He was saying this as, through tears. And I wanted to give him a big hug, but I just thought, wow, how much, uh, for the fans, it's great uh, to get all this new music all the time and to see them live and to see them on TV. But if they're that stressed out, there's only so much longer that they can they can take this kind of pressure. So um, I'm concerned about my boys, uh, but I'm also loving, you know, yeah. You know, my thought about that was that they, they just didn't they just recently mm -hmm. yeah. resign? Like I, yeah. I thought that at least their working conditions and things yeah. should be so much better when they sign mm. their second contract. So what's the pressure? Why 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 are they stressed out? Are they just working long hours, or what's what is it that puts them under pressure? You know, when, when I talk to them, they tell me that uh, <laughs> <laughs> you just slip you know, that right guess, in. <laughs> yeah, when I you know I, I have my my weekly calls with the boys, and they. <laughs> They, they do let me know that it's just um, that it's the late night practices and rehearsals and, and really the the uncertainty of it all. They have schedules and opportunities, but they only hear the night before like, oh, we need to go across town to be on this TV show for 10 minutes. And then like they don't know what's coming next. So they can't predict. So, but that's something they could fix. That's a management issue. Like they could say yeah. to their management, we, we want to know. I mean, their management would know what's coming mm -hmm. up. So, well, yeah, I, you'd think that, but I, I think it's the uh, um, an issue across the industry and even bleeds over into K drama, where in order to, uh, I think, chase the absolute maximum attention and engagement and eyeballs, they will change the plot, change the writing, and film the episode the night before, and. Uh, you know, it's it's just something that that is across the Korean entertainment industry that's obsessed with the the data, the numbers, the ratings, and making split second decisions on that. It, that'll be hard, hard, hard to change. But I think if the if the boys really banded together and said we're not doing any performances today, <laughs> something would change. Definitely, they they definitely hold all the cards. Mm. Mm. That's it. If anyone could really do something to make some sort of change on a management level like that, it, 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 sh it could be them. You know, I don't think yeah. they need to push for that. You know, they're not like bastions of, you know, um, worker reform in the K-pop industry, <laughs> but you know, they're, they're going to bring in that power, <laughs> you know. Um, but like as individuals, they will start to become more influential than their company can ever kind of hold, you know. And I think that's probably the main reason behind their stress, the stress of success that they've all garnered, you know, it's, it, it must be just a completely different world for them this last year where, you know, they've seen it come in a little bit, but like the, the extent to which how well they've done um, can only do nothing but boggle their mind, you know. Mm. Um, I will say that I'm not entirely convinced that they would be called mainstream mm -hmm. in the US now. I think that 
their fan base is so huge that like that will keep them in the sort of in the public eyes somewhat but as they continue getting awards like best social or this nomination for you know best recording package that the u.s media can kind of keep them at arm's length and say you know we can talk about you as a as a visual you know phenomenon of fan culture but as not a actual musical act i think that's why i'm going to for the first time in my life and the only time in my life i'm going to say that armies should be more mad about this grammy nomination because it's basically it's just complete posturing towards them and their fans to like placate them with some sort of award that ultimately doesn't really mean anything you know i know it's a grammy but it's like a recording package grammy in it i think it really says a lot about how the u.s media sees them and it, it, it's, it's disappointing after like such a momentous year for them you know regardless of what i think of their music or whatever i think the music needs to be rewarded rather than everything around it until because then people will start to listen to them properly and then they might they might become mainstream it's it's in australia they are definitely not mainstream i mean I mean, having said that, I, I got a I got an email about the uh, music on Twitter in Australia that was, you know, a list of statistical breakdown of the trends and stuff. They <laughs> they listed that the top musical hashtag trend was uh, Ariana Grande, and then the second thing they mentioned was the top hashtag trend in of everything, not just music, of everything was BTS. Mm. Now you would think they might want to put that above the top musical trend because it's the. It oh, seems like that would go in music, right? Right, but the, this was coming from the musical. It was an email coming from the musical yeah. side of Twitter. But so the, you would think that BTS would come above that because clearly that's more. Even though mm. it's the second topic, it's it's a topic out of everything, not just music. But it, that's a sign of the recognition that BTS has in Australia. It's it people still, you know, the majority of people wouldn't know who they were like. People who are heavily into music will know who they are. But if I were to say to, you know, almost anyone else who wasn't into music, they wouldn't have a clue. Like, you would have to explain who they were. They just don't have that recognition here. And, um, I mean, I can't speak for America because I'm not there. But and I know they've been on some big shows and stuff. Yeah. But um, it's, it's interesting, you know, when you're in, when the world that we're in, it can be hard to see from the outside, <laughs> if you know what I mean. So, sure, sure. I mean, yeah. clearly they they are without a doubt the, the K-pop band that has made the greatest inroads of any other. I mean, I remember before they came along, and you know when when Big Bang were were break, breaking all the records. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like oh, Big Bang, you know, got into this and position. Then, then of course, on there's my, my ultimate all-time bias, B Rain who was, you know, Time's oh, Person yeah. of the Year and had a rivalry with Stephen Colbert years ago. So, right, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Inroads and, you know, cracks in the, yeah. what's it called, the bamboo ceiling. <laughs> I never heard that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's yeah, so it's funny, you know, to remember all that, you know, when you've seen all these things before and, and clearly they've gone way further than anybody before. But, you know, there's there's they can go further. To be honest, when I, you know, read about the way the K-pop industry works and its measure, I am often amazed that they have any big success at all sometimes because, I, you know, I just think, wow, these things could be done so much better for, and that would have beneficial outcomes for everybody not just for their well-being but also I believe you could make more money if you did things in a different way you know and it's not like you would be even breaking uh new ground if you did them in a different way there are 
practices already being put in place, you know, in different parts of the world, in different spheres that would really, you know, bring a lot of beneficial things to to it and um, benefit everybody economically and, you know, yeah, as regards to health. And, and well-being, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, you know, and you wouldn't have your stars breaking down on stage or, mm. or you know, going to hospital from exhaustion, you know, like those old BAP and people like that. So, yeah, anyway. So I think I went off on a tangent, but there you go. <laughs> Leaving behind BTS, I guess I will continue us on into maybe one of the other big controversies of the year, which was um, the relationship between Hyuna and Edan of Pentagon, or Edan formerly of Pentagon now. <laughs> formerly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so dramatic. I, I only have something a little bit to say about it because I think... I have a lot to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To me, it's in, it's it's interesting because it's not quite as big a game changer as I first thought, or maybe many people thought. I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure what, exactly, but I think the way it went down, Cube could kind of pin it all on them that that they had lied to Cube about it, and then went straight to the media about their relationship. So Cube was like, "Oh, well, it's not because they're dating; it's because they lied to us about dating." And with the way it's gone ever since, it sort of feels like people have forgotten about it. You know, Hyuna and Idan are having all these photo shoots and they're continuing working seemingly quite well, but Cube have come out of it fairly unscathed. You know, Idol are pushing and doing even better and better as they go on. And and I think ultimately I'm sad that Hyuna may not make any music for quite a while, you know, and and I'm worried that, you know, a lot of people say, oh, she, oh, she should go to AONG or she should go to Hyodin's company or whatever she's going to go to somewhere with a lot less money than cube and Shana to me is a pop star not like an, a rapper or not a potential indie queen she's a, she's a pop star and she needs something behind her i think mm. so yeah i think it's not going to change anything i guess again i'm saying this um which uh, feels like another downer but i think well aside from them not being able to music anymore the, the very nice thing about it is you get to see this couple you know sort of actually have a happy relationship you know and they're very open about it online and um, I'm sure many people think it's all fake or whatever but it's still really cool to see because you think about this being hidden all the time and now that they're free they can just kind of be in love together you know and they're both incredibly beautiful so that's nice to see mm-hmm. at least on that sense <laughs> yeah yeah you know, it may be controversial in Korea, but I don't, I don't, I can't think of another issue that international fans have been so unanimous oh, yeah. on. Oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. you know? yeah. My Twitter feed was just like going off when it happened; like it was just exploding with people going criticizing Cube and just supporting Yana and um, Idon. And I just remember, I mean, the whole thing just seemed insane. Wasn't there like a Cube kind of sacking them, and then then the share price plunged, and then they went, "Oh no, we're not sacking them." And they took them back, and then, "Oh yes, we are." We're going to have a meeting about that. That up to yeah. the minute, watching the numbers, making split second decisions. It's all over the place. Yeah, wow. that's right. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. again, takes us back to the practices, you know. Like, but I think over on Panchoa, it was all like, "Oh, you know, you bitch, you know, <laughs> how dare yeah. you, and you know, all that kind of stuff." So. Yeah, there was a fairly big divide, I think. It, my relationship with Yana is, is interesting because I, I don't always like her music, but I really love her as a pop star. Like, And I actually think she's very important for K-pop because she, you know, she, her image is one of this really kind of independent kind of sexuality, I guess, you know, that there aren't very many, there no. aren't a lot of other 
um, you know, K-pop stars like her. Um, so I just really think, and I, you know, AOMG is absolutely not the right place for her. Like, whoa, whoa, tell me why. Yeah. Uh, it's just, well, you know, Yen's there right now and how many people heard her songs? Like, you know, like she just needs, she Who's just there needs, now? I think what, Yen from Wonder Girls, you know, Yen. Oh, like, she is. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Hello. Um, <laughs> my point right there. So um, I just think everything that Joe said is, is right. You know, I don't want to go too too long about it, but I think AOMG is more about the indie artist. It's more about the sound. Well, I think it's more it's it's the Jay Park show, and he probably wouldn't slide over well, to have another big idol, big ego. <laughs> that's true. That too. You know, yeah, that's that, that would be my, yeah, my prediction for, for how that would go. But but my my thinking is that Hyuna and Idan could go in that direction of do of building their own thing, of being independent, of you know, resisting and showing showing the old K pop old guard like, hey, the people are with us now. Um you know, whatever mm. structure that means. It really reminds me of what happened to Jay Park back when he got kicked out of 2 p.m. and fans were divided. Korea was divided. American fans were like all unanimously on Jay Park's side and he had to go away for a while. But then with a triumphant comeback in his old label, it's really exciting. So I think they could. There, there's a path paved there. Yeah, true. Surely Hyuna could make star the hell out of yeah. his career. I mean... <laughs> I mean, I don't know, maybe that's low rent, but wouldn't people pay a fortune to, to just get see her career keep going? She could raise some money. Yeah, right yeah. Maybe she could start, they could start a reality show of rookies. Oh, my God, that would be amazing. Yana and Edo. The, the next. I think they kind of have. It's on Instagram. Yeah. Well, they kind of have. Yeah, that's right. They kind of have done it, but they need to monetize mm-hmm. it. All righty, Dan. So we can close out the top news stories of the year with, Gabrielle, um, what caught your eyes and ears this year? Well, it was, there were a ton of non-music related stuff and we've covered some of it. I mean, the Cube thing I thought was a really big deal. But I want to take it right back to last year's podcast. We recorded it, I think, one or two days before a really terrible thing happened, which was that Jung Hyun from Shiny took his own life, uh, which was really awful for, I think, everybody um, in K-pop, not just even for shiny fans. Uh, Chun Hyun was my ultimate bias. Mm. <laughs> uh, he had been my favourite since, shiny had been my favourite since um, I got into K-pop. Dream Girl was the song that got me into them. And as I got into them, I just really loved Chun Hyun for his, you know, his singing and his beautiful voice and also because he composed and he wrote um, some great, uh, songs for like Lim Kim and IU and stuff like that. He also was not the typical idol. He was quite outspoken about various things. We all know, we know all know that kind of stuff. And just the fact that he, you know, was suffering from obviously he, you know, just his mind was, he had an illness and his mind was being tormented. And, you know, he thought that the world would be a better off place without him which is what uh depression does to you and I have suffered from depression in my life and so is my mother and you know I I understood how he felt and I think that resonated with so many people when it happened that was you know that that's what happened after it so really I spent the first month of the next year probably probably I cried every day I think 
and um, and then it just really, I mean, I really wondered whether I would, I felt so lost in K-pop, you know, it's given me so much joy, not just through Shiny, but, you know, through them I, I, I discovered so much other music that I loved. This is my third podcast with you guys. You know, this is that's how much it changed my life. I met new people as well. And um, but I really I just felt a little I mean, I still have been watching the shows, but admittedly a bit less. And I think, you know, you don't have to have a bias to be into K-pop, but I think it does give you a focus. And um, for me it was quite difficult, you know, I think obviously it's so hard for, you know, who knows how it affected um, the guys in Shiny, obviously, you can only imagine they were with him for 10 years. But when SM said, oh, no, they're going to perform their concerts in Tokyo and in Japan in February, and everyone went, just went, oh, you know, so soon. And then they, they released those handwritten notes saying, this is what we want to do. And I was like, oh, really? You know, SM hasn't really had a, had a good uh, record on how it treats its, you know, its groups. And then people were live casting those concerts, and um, I... I watched, I, that were, uh, it was audio only and, and oh boy, that was really hard. I, I think I listened to some of it and I couldn't, I couldn't listen to all of it. And, um, and then, you know, it was a, their 10th year. So they had this kind of anniversary comeback planned without him. And I mean, I did uh, listen to the music, but it was quite hard for me to connect. You know, you don't want to abandon them. You think, God, am I abandoning the rest of the guys? You know, <laughs> like, is it wrong to be a, a one true five? You know, <laughs> I, I know so many people on Twitter, though, who are shiny stands, and many of them have not been able to listen, not only to the new music, but they, they can't listen to the old music either, you know, which, I mean, everybody deals with it in their own ways, but um, it's just interesting that different impacts it has. When in the immediate days that followed I played Sean Young's music constantly and then I went through a phase where I just like couldn't listen to it at all and um now you know it kind of sometimes I do and sometimes I don't um but yeah it's just like a year later his death is still really felt I think keenly by so many people and um you know of course we just had the um the commemoration of it you know never going to be the same and um, it's interesting now on news going into the military. He's a couple of years older than the other guys, but they'll follow in the next kind of year or so. And we've got new albums from Key, which is actually a really great album. And it's very true to Key's personality. You know, he's this very individual guy. He's a bit no bullshit, you know, which is, he's really his own person. And they've made this album that's very, shows a lot of the different colors of him. And, you know, it's hard to say, what Chan Yun would have, you know, but I really feel like it's there's something of a, almost like a letter to him or there's something for you, this is, I made something of me, I'm still here kind of thing. On You's done an album of ballads, you know, which is very On You and done really well. I know they just signed, they re-signed with SM, which is, I guess they want security and stuff, but it'll be interesting to see where they go from here and how much they do as a unit together, you know, because obviously Taman has a really successful career too, solo career. So yeah, this is a pretty somber note, um, but I guess I'm still here, Shiny's still here, and um, let's see what the future holds for them. Yeah, I can't, I, I usually am not that affected by celebrity deaths. I, I really can't think of any, of one that has really affected me, like Jung Yun's death, and I, di I didn't follow him that closely as an idol but there's just something about all of, you know, all the circumstances and, you know, from what I have seen of him other than performance, he just seems like such a sweet guy and it's, you know, such a, an awful situation. But in 
it was it was hard for me to listen to shiny for a while but uh boy his album came out right away that was that was kind of uh an odd thing and that was a such a such a good album and and his single um but it was such a strange experience you know watching that waiting for that to come out yeah you know, after he had died right yeah well obviously it was prepared i mean you know every, everything was ready so yeah yeah i mean he the thing is he he, he sounds macabre to talk about but he had been preparing for this for a long time i mean it's suicidal ideation that's what people do because they yeah. For them, the idea of of it gives them comfort because they have felt so much pain in their life, in their present, that to prepare for it is is a, is a, is a kind of comfort. And I don't want anyone listening to this to to believe that because it's an illness, you know. And if anyone feels is feeling that way, please seek out help in your city because it exists. Please do that. But but that is how he would have seen it, you know, to be going through. Well, it would have been the motions, I hate to say it, but, you know, he, he's artistically inclined and it would have been easy for him to be creative in that moment while he was also preparing this journey because that's how he kind of would have seen it. So, you know, he could have and done that concert, you know, like, and then just wrapping it all up, this is what he would have been doing. So, yeah, and for us it's, so for him it would have felt like a, natural thing to do but for us here it's like whoa and now we've got this album you know so I mean I feel grateful that we had more something else from him in a way you know like I don't think they ever released those albums those concerts you know that they were obviously being prepared for to be released as a dvd so they're just sitting on those too you know Mm -hmm. um similar to Stephen I didn't think that I would be so affected by Jonghyun's death, but I think what what really hit me is that Shiny is of the K-pop generation that I come from, I guess. I as a K-pop fan, I grew up with Shiny and I'm around their same age and <laughs> Jonghyun always struck me as someone who was really talented but also dedicated and hardworking dedicated to making good music and I thought he was so just genuinely talented and so to hear that in his own mind he did not have talent or that he was, his music was getting worse it, it makes me so sad um, because I was so impressed when his solo album came out and I was like this is an artist he's the real deal but I guess in, in a way yeah. like that is part of being an artist is being endlessly critical of what you put out, and I guess it, it went to the extreme with him. I I always think about what could what could the label have done more? Like the staff that's around him every day, could they have seen signs or helped more? The management. Um, I'm always asking those those questions, and I've had a, an eye side eye towards SM, as you can probably tell, for a long time, and then <laughs> this this really did not help there. So. Um, I mean, I'm not able to really listen to his solo albums even now because I just think I think about what was going on in his heart. And uh, it, it is really hard, but um, I'm hoping that I'm hoping that this event can can serve as a like a grounding and learning experience for all of us who K-pop has touched in some way. I think it has. Yeah. Well, I think honestly, I think it's important to listen to his music because you know 
that that's him, that's who he was. And as you say, he was dedicated to it, he was committed to it. So I really hope that people who have difficulty with it can someday, you know, come back to it and, you know, enjoy it because that, mm -hmm. that was important yeah. to him. Yeah, we need to, yeah, I think it's good to be, make sure his death does not define him yeah. as, a, as a person and as an artist because of everything he did with so many. You know, to me, he was the ideal of idols and I, I always thought this, um, I thought he was like exceptional in, in all areas and, and like everything, his, his first solo album as well, which I actually prefer to the, the later one, like is really, really good and people sort of slightly forget about that. And I haven't listened to it actually since I don't know when. I even right now find it much easier to listen to the new shiny stuff rather than the older stuff. But I know that won't be like that forever because I always remember first just how amazing he was, you know, on stage. That's where I found him. And mm. That's where he absolutely ruled. Oh, absolutely. And we're so lucky. This is where <laughs> YouTube, Stephanie, <laughs> is so great because there's endless performances yeah. by him, you know, so many. And it's, you know, we're so lucky that we, you know, I mean, I'm a lot older than you guys, you know, and, you know, that there, there weren't always of older artists, there weren't always that many performances. But, I mean, you, you want to see Chanyan, you can see tons of stuff. You can see variety performance, you can see singing performances. I saw a new, I saw a couple of new ones recently. I saw this um, performance of him playing this amazing guitar solo. I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I had no clue he could even play guitar, you know, like, of course, but he was a musical god. Of course he could play guitar, you know, like, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, devastating, but you can also just appreciate his legacy as well. You know, hopefully, hopefully that's what you can do. So, I mean, that event has defined my year, but. All right. So let's move on to our first round of K-pop Unmuted Awards. These are, for those of you who are not familiar, these are awards that we invent, awards that we think should exist and that now do exist because we're giving them away. I guess we're going to keep the same order that we started with just to make things easier on everyone, which means that I get to give the first award. The category that I'd like to give an award in is most dramatic release of the year. I think that drama is something that K-pop does very well. They're not afraid to go over the top. And the reason I the reason I refer to release is I'm kind of I want to include the song and the music video. So the first nominee is this is sort of a stand-in really for all boy bands because there's a certain kind of drama that boy band releases have, in, in my opinion, commonly. There, there's a lot of of boy band songs that are very earnest and intense. And in the music video, they're in kind of a post-apocalyptic landscape and they're they're in some kind of gang or something that hangs out in parking lots a lot or this sort of thing. <laughs> uh, so the representative song that I'm gonna I'm gonna pick to represent all that that uh, category of drama is uh, NCT Use Boss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a great song and and it's not just that it's good, but I, I think that the sort of droning, buzzy group vocals are very dramatic. So they make the list. Uh, the second nominee is Minso's Zero. This wasn't a real high profile one, but this was the Dungeon Fighter Online one where you had the, the male student in Korea and the female student in Japan, and they were... You know, I don't know. I don't know what they were doing, but they somehow ended up meeting up at the end of it. 
the the dramatic thing about that release is just the song is has these great orchestral sounds, these dramatic strings, uh, this big choir. The reason that I'm not giving it the win for most dramatic release is that the actual singer Minso is she basically is just spends a video standing in Kim Lip's concrete tower <laughs> from the Eclipse video <laughs> singing. You know, which is fine, but it's not that dramatic. So, so she doesn't get it. the The winner of the most dramatic release of the year award is the drama queen of K-pop, Sunmi, for <laughs> heroin. Yes. Uh, everything about this is so dramatic. Her, you know, her look, the wardrobe. Uh, you know, a lot of the music video literally takes place on a stage. The dance has these, you know, broad, exaggerated movements, and there's even that weird kind of dance that she does that's very quirky that's so sun me but it's i mean that's its own different sort of category of drama and then the audio has these whispery vocals and this big anthemic chorus and those those tuba blasts and just everything about that video is dramatic so that is most dramatic release of the year sun me's heroin I think um, personally, Sunmi's quirkiness was always more interesting to me than her potential drama. I guess maybe they're kind of built into the same thing. But also, she's just like with every release, I'm I'm losing interest in her. Unfortunately, for a time, I thought she could have been like a, a great favorite of mine. I remember that base te- teaser she had for one of their girls, "I Feel You," um, which I still think is the coolest oh, thing that ever. Was amazing. But Minso as we discussed before, is is a wonderful choice. So I'll give you that. (laughs) Well, uh, Stephanie, what what is the first award you would like to give out this year? Well, let's see. I, yeah, I am the boy group stan. And so I got to (laughs) just lean in whole hog to that. And I want to say that it was really hard to choose something because BTS has already won all awards imaginable, you know, so like thinking up a new one for them to win, it's, it's actually really hard. But I, <laughs> um, this comes out of a kind of debate or discussion we had over on the K-pop cast about a, a video they did that was actually quite polarizing for our hosts. I could just watch it again and again and find new Easter eggs and, you know, just be endlessly entertained by the beauty of this work of art. But my other host was just like, it's so in the weeds. It's so confusing. It's not accessible for new K-pop fans. And I said, you know, you're right. I just don't care. I'm going to watch it again. So I really want to give the award for most galaxy brain music video (laughs) experience to BTS's Fake Love, which is the culmination of this series that just has like multiple layers of metaphors and allegories about what it's like to go through uh, a relationship, a breakup, to learn that it's all about loving yourself in the end. But there's also candy bars and fire and rooms filling up with water and it all means something. So that's that's really why I, I love BTS and the fans are just along for the ride at all times. So yeah, I, I just... 
I, I had to had to give it to him. Had to make something up just for my boys. I, I think Luna stands can probably relate to that. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Luna did it second, but Luna did it better. That's uh, I didn't mean I wasn't inviting that sort of thing. <laughs> well, Joe, why don't you defend yourself? What's your, uh, what award do you have for us? So I have the award for best fruit related metaphor slash song oh that could get dangerous there's there's a lot going on here and a good few nominees so i'll try and run through them first nominee is busters with grape a wonderful song um pretty uninteresting as it goes along but an absolute belter of a chorus i love that song a a lot of yeah this is a great amount of funky Mm -hmm. fun but as far as fruit related things goes maybe it's the kind of language barrier in the translations but it's sort of hard to get what the whole grape thing is um there seems to be like a dichotomy of sweet and bittersweet grapes but also that they're getting tangled up in grape vines and they mention grape wine in the chorus aside from it being really cute word to say podo 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 in the chorus i'm sort of unclear on the whole fruit idea going on here so they might not get that one second nominee you may be thinking of this one straight away, I'm not sure, but Oh My Girl, Banana's Banana Allergy Monkey. <laughs> I was it, thinking of that. It's, it seems like a strong contender, but the song is, is more about this sort of this pitiful monkey who, who can't eat bananas rather than the fruit banana itself. So exactly. in terms of this award, it, it can't do quite as well. I will say great points for like literally being a song about a monkey. <laughs> Third nominee. It's great because it had double fruit, fruit in the name, fruit in the song title. So it's very good with green apple. I love it. I knew that was coming. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. of course, of course. So this one's good because it has a couple of different things going on with apples. The the video wants to make a connection between Jo Hyun's ass and apples, (laughs) but the song... What do you mean it wants to? I mean, it it, it doesn't stick to it, but the song is sort of jumping off of the Snow White allegory or Snow White reference where it's more about how a woman is choosing her own preferences you know she wants a green apple instead of a red apple because a red will make them sleep forever like Snow White so it's, it's sort of a I couldn't work you know, out what they were doing with that so thank you for clearing it up <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I think anyway so green apples are good red or bad is sort of the, the message they're going for I think but none of them have won actually the winner who did at least three different strange things with a, a fruit is Hyo Min and her solo song Mango. So Hyo Min oh. being the potentially former Tiara member, we're not really sure. She's still um, in Tiara. Yeah, I mean, if they exist, mm. she's still in them. If they don't exist, she isn't. So this is right. So she uses the mango as like a, a simile or a metaphor for herself. She's tart and sour mango. So she's sort of not something a man should take for granted. You know, she's like, she's very serious and like hard to deal with. But she kind of pushes the mango idea. So she has a lot of English wordplay. Mm. When the chorus is the best part where it's just like mango, of which she's obviously split the word mango into man and go. And also there's a line before the chorus where she goes, I can make you man, I can make you man. 
go. So she wants the man to go, but she's also saying she can make him a man. I like it. I didn't catch any of that. That's that's pretty good. And also, it's she really sells it well because it's very obviously tongue in cheek. You know, the performance is great. The video is really good, and the song itself is is quite odd. And she's doing a lot of different things with her voice, which I really like. And it's a song I forgot about until like last week, but something that I, I quite like a lot. But Joe, I thought Red Velvet was going to work its way in there somewhere. But yeah, that, that's, that's the first pick. thing I thought. It what was it Power Up, all those melting yeah. fruits. I, yeah. I don't know. Are they in the, are they in the, I, I think I watched that video one time and listened to that song two times. So I'm, not into it. Oh. Oh. I'm with you, Joe. I don't know. Yeah. Oh. But the fruits, so much fruit. Okay. Well, I might go jumping off the fruit category. I'm going to have the Moonstruck Award for Best Song with a Lunar Theme. And the nominees are G Friend for Time for the Moon Night, mm. On and Off for Fly Me to the Moon. Kyungri for Blue Moon and GWSN for GWSN for Puzzle Moon or Puzzle Moon, as they say. Um, <laughs> now, the there's a showdown, showdown, between Kyungri and GWSN because I played both of those so much. Both of them, I would just like play it and then go, repeat, like, repeat, like, repeat. Both of those are just such great songs. They're also dueling for my favorite choreography of the year. I really love that Kyungri. I mean, first of all, I'm a Nine Muses stan, and if we can't have a comeback of the band, then Kyungri's good. And I love that she brought in these bogus and whackers to be her dancers. And mm -hmm. they, they, it was this troop of LGBTQI dancers, and they, they all wore heels. I was like, it took me a few watches before I was like, Wait, wait, wait. Are they all wearing heels, even the guys? And so they're doing this incredible dance routine in heels. Also, the MV was stunningly beautiful and it had all references to kind of voyeurism and which obviously I know is a staple of K-pop, but it was really beautifully done with gauze and, and restraints and all kinds of things. But the GWS, I'm going to probably give it to GWSN for a really beautiful Deep House track. And what I loved about the choreography was the entire choreography was made to reference the moon and the stars and the night sky. Like everything that they did, like from the, the opening move was this incredible thing where they were um, in a formation. The girls at the front were facing the back and they turned themselves kind of, they crouched down and turned themselves inside out so that they would be in the formation of a star. And it's ridiculous to talk about visual things, but go online and have a look. <laughs> and then from then on, everything they did, they would, you know, put their hands in star shapes and shapes of the moon, and then they would travel together in a formation as if they were kind of traveling across the night sky. And it was just so beautiful. I watched it like a hundred times and they promoted it for, I think, two months. And um, so I got plenty of time to watch it. So yes, that's my, my award for best moon song and my award for best choreography of the year. And I'm looking forward to it. The mini was also good. If you didn't listen to it, grab the mini. And um, congratulations. Looking forward to more releases from them.
I'm kind of surprised you realize that Neon Punch's song is oh my God. called Moonlight. Oh, my God. You're quite right. I forgot to put them in. The belated, belated entry, but they could also go into Rookie. Honorable, honorable mention. mention. Can they get yes, an Neon mention? Punch's, um, what was it called, Moonlight? Um, Moonlight. Yeah. I love that song. I really actually played that a lot too. That was um, kind yeah, of yeah. like just a fun bop. But I did have them on a rookies list. I'm not sure if we're getting to rookies, but they also are on a rookies list. Let's hope so. There's a... That's what I was going to say that I'm, I may bring them up later also, mm. so don't worry. Yeah. Don't worry. The tra- right. tragically Good underrated news. rookies of the year. Exactly, yeah. All right, well, that will wind up our first part of our K-Pop Unmuted 2018 awards show. We'll be back the next episode with part two. We'll have two rounds of awards. Uh, same great cast here. And I want to thank you all for joining us. Um, let me start with you, Gabrielle. Where can where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Gabrielle Wilder, G-A-B-R-I-E-L Wilder. And uh, any point in uh, looking up that, that blog that you... Uh... Oh, yes, I'm going to do an end of year post. Please. K-S-E-R-A dot blogspot.com. Great. All right. And Stephanie, of course, people need to check out the K-Popcast podcast, which is an excellent show. It's on this very mm-hmm. same internet that you can find anywhere K-pop you can find on. Uh, why don't you tell us about where we can find that and also maybe uh, where sure. we can find you. Well, starting with me, most importantly, you can find me on Twitter um, at sparker2. Uh, the K-Popcast is also on Twitter at the K-Popcast. And we run a really fun uh, Twitter chat called the K-Pop Chat. And you can find us on that hashtag and jump in. I know that Stephen often participates and stands red velvet in there, no matter what we're talking about. That's a lot of fun. Somebody's got to do it. What about Dreamcatcher, Stephen? Have you dumped them already? I do. Uh I mentioned uh Dreamcatcher. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) All right, Joe, where can people find you online? Um, I am on Twitter at Captain Joe Hook. You can, you can also follow us on Twitter. You can follow Cult Scene. is at Cult Scene with a K. Uh, also, we're at K-Pop Unmuted. And my Twitter handle is at Tennessee Appeal. Uh, we really appreciate you listening. If you, if you like the show, you can go to iTunes. Leave us a rating if you want to. You can leave a wide variety of ratings. Five is a good rating. I don't think they'd let you put higher than five, but uh, any rating you want. And uh, thank you for listening. We'll, uh, we'll see you next time with part two. 